ladies and gentlemen, niggas and crackers, guys, gals, and, and non-binary pals, hot girls and city boys, saints and ain'ts, and, and all our Harlem family, family. Welcome, welcome to your very own podcast. A.K.A. Mace Wind, do you mind? Joined by my, <laughs> my boy. All right. Yo, what's up? It's the other co-host, Jude, A.K.A. Cocaine Cowboy, A.K.A. J.C. on Player, A.K.A. The Regulator, A.K.A. The Octavoon Octopus. What's happening? <laughs> Incredible. And we have um, returning you. our... <laughs> our semi-tenured, half-official, basically we should pay her at this point, other co-host. Soul <laughs> Alrighty, it's a Braille, a.k.a. ASAP Curls, a.k.a. the original Wheezy, a.k.a. a lady in the streets, a freak in the Google Sheets, a.k.a. plant mommy, don't talk to me or my succulents ever again. <laughs> Excellent! Excellent! Imagine, imagine kicking a nigga out of your house, and it's like, and don't ever talk to my succulents. Oh! And fi- finally, we have uh, my good friend Wes joining us all the way from Columbia University. Man, I'm in Brooklyn right now, but yes. Well, yeah. But- <laughs> uh, what's up, guys? My name is Wes, aka Wesley Snipes, aka President of the Denzel Washington Fan Club, aka the light skin love interest in every single Netflix movie. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. you. It's true. You I am. I'm, I'm, I'm getting. I'm getting the checks as we speak. Like they're getting <laughs> delivered to my house. As we said up top, this is the season finale. Um, it's been a wild ride so far. Almost a year um, since we started this show, Jude and I. Um, when we come back, actually, uh, it will. It'll be past our anniversary, and it, we had a few bumps along the way. You know, um, we started it at a oh, weird man. time, so season one was kind of short, and then yeah, the plague um, came along. But I think we adapted pretty well, um, and we've managed to have a pretty um, solid, uh, you know, series of episodes with, uh, you know, different guests all over the place. And it's been a lot of fun for me. You know, I don't want to get sentimental. We're not going anywhere. Uh, but <laughs> no, um, th- this has been uh, this has been grand. And we're closing out our little Hood Classic retrospective today with Spike Lee's Jungle Fever, 1991. He's got Jungle Fever. There we go. We had to do that. I think that might be um, the greatest original film song of all time. It's so good. So good song. It is. It is. Water doesn't know what white or black looks like, but. I was going to say, I feel like I feel like I knew that song disconnected from the movie before I saw the movie. Like, you know what I mean? It's just a song I knew in my life. And then it starts in the movie. And I'm like, oh, all right. This is where it comes from. (laughs) 
Yeah. Um. It. Uh, I if you music think is. Spike uh, Lee actually has like spiky hair. Huh? Okay, I'm done. I'm done with Steve Wonder. <laughs> I'm done. You know, I saw Spike Lee once. This is a good time to say. I actually I met Spike Lee kind of. Um, in middle school, I was, we, we, they used to let us go out for lunch. Like we didn't have to stay in the cafeteria. We could go mm-hmm. to the deli and whatever. It was pretty lit. Um, mm-hmm. and I was walking with some of my friends. We were on like, that was back when we were on 88th, like 86, 88th and uh, Columbus. And we're coming out of this restaurant and we see Spike Lee walking down the block and we're like, yo, you're Spike Lee. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, that's crazy. But I, by that point I hadn't seen any of his movies, so I couldn't really. <laughs> I just knew his face for whatever reason. Um, and uh, watch basketball games with your pops or something. I guess maybe I think it was because my mom. Um, I think my mom has also met him or, or seen him in public somewhere. Uh, so there's like a history with the Winley lineage mm-hmm. and the Spike Lee line goes back. Um, but she she thinks he looks rude, uh, so she don't like him. He is. Um, he is. He's white. You know, and he's a Knicks fan, and he's just sad. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we're, we're talking about jungle fever, which, uh, is the, is the fourth or fifth, fourth, third, fourth or fifth movie that Spike Lee ever made. And as Wes was pointing out right before we started, uh, this was like, like back to back Spike Lee was making movies at the start of his career. Um, and, uh, you can maybe depending on, uh, depending on who you ask, you can kind of tell that, uh, that's the case. Um, but, uh, before we, you know, we'll just do like initial impressions, um, Abril, like opening up, how did you um, like this movie? How'd you feel about it? What are your impressions while you're dancing over there? <laughs> um, I really loved it. I really liked it a lot because I have such a soft spot for um, movies where it, like that take place in New York that like doesn't look like Seinfeld. <laughs> Yeah. You know that it's like a whole nother side of New York like wow mm-hmm. um, and I think they also had like a lot of very interesting topics and things that are still relevant today like even like him asking for a raise and um, like talking to his like colleagues and saying specifically saying like I want like I wanted the person that was going to be hired under me to be black and they just were like oh well that would be reverse racism and blah blah blah. and it's like no that's not the case like i'm literally the only black person here and if i get to there's a lot of like as a you know coming from like the professional like nine to five kind of world like that was very relevant and also the girls like the, the the wife um and her talking with her friends like i i've never been in those conversations but i have been around them or like mm-hmm. i have you know seen them happen but uh yeah i thought it was really good cool cool wes your initial impressions yeah so i feel like i feel like spike lee even if the movie isn't good like <laughs> the movie is always like i'm not saying this isn't good uh but i'm saying even <laughs> if the movie isn't good that he makes it's always like packed full of stuff like mm-hmm. i feel like it always has like he has like 55 things on his mind because he's like yo if this is the last movie i make it's going to have everything in it. Um, and especially at this era, because he probably actually was like, maybe this is the last movie I, I'm going to make because like I'm black. Yeah. He's going to fund me. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's such a weird movie. I feel like I'm still processing it. Um, there's a lot of stuff that like is super unintentionally funny. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think I think the scene with all the women will get to it. I think that's like magic. Like, I think there's moments that's where you when you're in the movie. 
Bro, I think there's moments like Spike has this ability that even if the rest of the movie isn't necessarily amazing, he has scenes where you're like, oh, this is amazing. And I think yeah. every scene with John Turturro also is like, like I think he has the magical ability to be like the best. Paulie, right? Yeah. Okay. He, he's he's got the best like he, he's got the best scene. So I think I was so happy when he showed up in this movie. Dude, no, he's <laughs> excellent. I love him. Yeah, so he's much. so good. Even in Transformers, he's good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Jude, how'd you feel? Have you seen you? Nah, 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 nah. That's the one movie out of all these that I haven't seen. Mm. Um, I thought the movie was just very dense, and mm-hmm. it, there's just a lot to unpack, which we're gonna get into. Um, I like Paulie's character the most. Mm. Um, it's, we're gonna get into it because I feel like there's a lot more to say when we bring up the topics that we've seen yeah, and when we go through the plot. So I'm gonna say some of those thoughts there, but. Mm-hmm. As just an initial reaction, the movie's pretty good. Cool, cool. Okay, well, we can just get right into the plot. Um, we open. We open. Uh, <laughs> I'll say. I'll say. I'll say. <laughs> we open I'll with a it. clip from someone's OnlyFans. Let's put it like that. <laughs> so, nah. we, saw two, we saw two black folks making sweet, sweet love. You know, and yeah. real quick, real quick, that girl cannot fake have sex for nothing. She's, she sounds like she's getting hurt the entire time, or like she's just like, ooh, ah, wait, ooh, ah, ooh, 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 ah, I, ah. I think, like, uh, like it was. I guess that's part of the joke because their daughter. This is the kid. It's super weird. weird. Real quick, this I is love that weird. Scene. It's weird as hell, but I love that scene. Here's why. So, we, I don't know if we all heard this or anything, but when we, when you when you have kids around you, they want to see their parents be together and they want to hear their parents be together. I remember one time when my parents weren't going through, like we're going through a really terrible time. I was like, mommy, kiss daddy. You know? So she's all giddy. Like, Ooh, they're doing nasty stuff, but no, it's kind of uh, a nice feeling like, Oh, my parents are happy. They're having fun. They're enjoying themselves. They're going to be together forever. That's that's yeah. why I oh, thought that kid was smiling. Well, and because it's, kids are little. They don't know what the, you know, they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. So. It could be problematic in the future, you know? <laughs> like, oh, like, you have sex with someone, you're going to be together forever. That could be totally messy. But yeah. the initial childlike idea is like, oh, my parents are having fun with each other. They like each other. They love each other. I'm going to be secure in my family forever. Like, that's what that kid kind of uh, presented to me. Was a kid wanting, the, wanting and loving the fact that, they're, that they have a secure home, that they have both their parents with them. Yeah, that makes sense. I think also like the, I mean, because not having seen this movie, the only thing I knew about it was that it's about, you know, a black guy and a white woman going out together. When the scene opens, I thought that that was the white woman immediately. And it took me a while to realize, oh, no, that's his black wife. Although although she is her, apparently one of her her parents was white. But I think very early on, like that could be an intentional directorial choice, writing choice that like, this very light skinned woman. Cause the whole movie is, is very like, um, you're they're I don't know if they, I would say they're interrogating, but, uh, they are talking about color for the whole thing and like, yeah. not just race, but like actually the shade of your skin. So, mm-hmm. um, so it's, it's probably not an accident that she, you know, could be confused for a white woman. Um, mm-hmm. which then obviously comes back later on in that scene we mentioned. But yeah, so there, uh, th- this is where we meet. Why is this dude named Flipper? Um, 
<laughs> Spike was out of name. Religious, with that religious <laughs> father of his? Yeah, why? Yeah, he said it was my father. Like, you okay, I would think someone like that would name him, like, Elijah or, like, I mean, Noah. Like, Noah. Give, give me, like, an Old Testament name. Flipper. <laughs> Where does that come from? Flipper and Gator. But, um, yeah, Gator, which is weird because when you look it up on Wikipedia, Gator is in quotes, but Flipper isn't. So I'm like, who? <laughs> what's, Google, what's Sam Jackson's actual name? Um, I mean, they but, were going to call him the good Reverend uh, Dr. Junior. Oh, my God. <laughs> they called him the, the father the whole time. Do you think the good Reverend Doctor? Where they get that idea from? Where did Spike get that idea from? To have well, that's the just, good Reverend Doctor. Like, that's just the it? thing that that's just the thing that Baptists say. Yeah, that's just. Justin, like you're Baptist. not Baptist, right? No, not uh, explicitly. Cool. We're uh, Pentecostal, if anything. Ah, right, cool. How they like Wes, that what were you going to say, Wes? Do, I said, do you guys think if this character isn't Wesley Snipes, we're taking a guy named Flipper seriously? Like, I feel like <laughs> the only reason we don't question it is because Wesley Snipes is Wesley Snipes. And we're just like, all right. Well, Lawrence Fishburne did it. Maybe. Maybe. It's interesting because allegedly Denzel was considered. No. so Not the same. <laughs> definitely not the same. <laughs> definitely not the same. Um, April, what yeah, do you I think? Mean, about cool. his name. I think, uh, I, honestly, like, his name is only relevant in the beginning, like, a, as a conversation piece when um the when angie goes to her friends and she's like oh yeah i'm dating this guy whatever and they're like oh what's his name mm -hmm. flipper like you wouldn't guess and then the, i think also the fact that they had assumed that with that name that he was like some blonde you know male bimbo with mm -hmm. blue eyes and a surfer dude or whatever like i think that had a little bit to do with it because if they gave him you know a clearly like more black name than it, it would have been you know the conversation would have jumped right away it wouldn't have been as much of a shock right. well yeah if he was jamal then it would have been like a little yeah. bit different but um yeah we 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 meet him and his family um he's married to drew who's played by um lynette mckee her name lynette mckee who despite maybe what jude might have said about her um her in this first scene i think she actually gives maybe the best performance in the movie she um, does i really like her sex. later later on <laughs> um but uh or one definitely one of them um up there with totoro uh and um uh why can't I, oh shiora annabelle shiora but uh wesley is playing um this architect this wealthy architect he lives in harlem um and yeah he works for this place the name of which i forgot it's some firm um, h&m <laughs> yeah. uh, his bosses are played by Tim Robbins and Brad Dorif, um, and the latter of those, I believe, is the voice of Chucky. Brad Dorif did Chucky, I think, um, and oh, sure. uh, Tim Robbins was in. Um, oh, he was in. Uh, was he Sh Shawshank Redemption? I was I think, thinking that. I think that's him. I think that's him. Um, and something else I was thinking. Oh, War of the Worlds. I don't know if you've ever seen tom cruise movie like in mid 2000s but he plays a crazy dude in that it's pretty great anyway uh he works with these people and they immediately introduce him to this new temp secretary named angie who's played by annabella shiora um and you know uh this is where like abril was saying up top um <laughs> flipper flip gets upset because he's like yeah i've specifically requested you know uh, a black woman and then they're like well i mean we hire people based to, we hire qualified human beings to do the job 
Um, you know, if we hired people just because they were black, then that would be a problem, which is like definitely, I feel like that's still obviously a conversation that happens in every field, like when it comes to, of course, filmmaking, but definitely in the corporate world, this mm-hmm. whole affirmative action sort of like um, situation where you want to, you want to increase a quota, you know, I mean, I think that people are just inherently kind of distrustful of diversity initiatives i guess mm-hmm. you know because it's like am i here i mean you you might start to doubt like am i here because i qualified or am i here because the percentages were off i used um, to think about that a lot but honestly regardless of why you're there or what the intention is as long as you're doing your job and you're good at it and keep doing it because then yeah. they'll you know regardless like even if if it's like because of affirmative action like imagine all the other applicants that you had to beat out to get yeah. that one spot of like the token you know diverse <laughs> <True>. person <laughs> i think that's um, true but yeah yeah um but we meet her she's a she's a nice gal um this is annabella shiora who i realized I, like she looked familiar to me and i realized it's because she pops up in an episode of luke cage actually um, oh, word? Season two. Wes, you, have you seen Luke Cage? I've seen the first season. I didn't watch the second one. She pops up in the second one as this, uh, as one of these um, mafioso types. Like she's the, the head of a crime family. And she Damn. and Luke Cage kind of like flirt a little bit. And then um, then she's done. It's, so it's a cameo. Um, but Jungle fever. She still looks good. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, we meet her family later on. Obviously, she lives in uh, Bensonhurst, I think they said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, with her her father and her two brothers um you know this is your your classic uh contentious italian new york italian family yeah all scene. the fathers in this movie ain't shit though all the yeah. dads in this movie ain't shit yeah all of them are, are terrible um and uh you know two of those two of those guys are in the sopranos um the one with the mustache and um the father yeah, and also I think Annabella Sciorra is. I just started the Sopranos, so we'll see where uh, the one with eyebrows, right? That the the skinnier brother, that's the one that Nah, the one with the mustache. Yes, but he is also the the skinnier one who's who tells her um, you know, uh her brother who That the mom cooks better. Yeah, yeah he's in the, he's in the Sopranos he too. He's real familiar to me. Why didn't Spice um, direct an episode of the Sopranos? I feel like that would be his bag. Like, you know that what I mean? That would have been interesting. That would've been cool. Yeah. Yeah, that could have been something. Um, but yeah, so she lives, she's the woman of the family. She cooks for them. She, you know, she does uh, all of the the duties, quote unquote, of a, of a woman in, in a family unit like that. Um, and uh, then we meet John Turturro, pops up. This is uh, Polly again, one of the best characters in the movie. The movie is almost like, it's... It's, it's kind of like a bunch of vignettes in a way. Like I Like, I think that this would have been... Because I guess, well, now I'm tipping my hand. I didn't talk about my initial impressions. The first hour of this movie, I was like, what's going on? Like, it felt yeah. super, to me, it felt very, like, scattered. It felt kind of unfocused. Um, and uh, uh, so, and a lot of that is because of, like, there, there's no problem with the movie having a bunch of different characters. But mm-hmm. I wasn't sure, like, how all of these characters are necessarily going to link or be resolved by the end of the movie. Um, and... Uh, one of the the key factors in that is Sam Jackson playing Gator, who is uh, Wesley Snipes's older brother, you know, drug addicted older brother, um, who really feels like 
his story is for a different movie. Yep. (laughs) His, his story has nothing to do with like, with what flipper and, and uh, Angie or anyone else are going through. And even like with the parents, cause I, I like the way that the parents are introduced. Cause I think like, okay, you want to have these super religious parents and the first line of the father, the good reverend doctor, um, is he's uh, reading a scripture about um, about sex and outside of marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, okay, I get it. But with Gator, that really feels like its own relationship mm-hmm. that could fill, maybe could fill like an hour and a half long movie, you know, if you give Gator yeah. like a, something to want or do mm-hmm. besides be a crackhead. Um I'm a crackhead. I like how every time he comes on screen, he's like, I'm a crackhead, okay? I smoke crack. (laughs) We're like, bro, okay. (laughs) Like, all right. I promise I can tell. Um, Oh, the dancing he does, yeah. I love (laughs) Well, apparently Sam Jackson was two weeks out of his own rehabilitation um, program when he shot this movie. Uh, So his emaciated sort of like gaunt sweaty look all that is because he he was sweating everything out um i think sam jackson by the way one of the great comeback stories in hollywood well yeah that's what i'm saying like that could be a dangerous role i mean he's you know it's even if you obviously there's no real crack on set i would hope but um, (laughs) it's it's still dangerous to be emulating the behavior Mm -hmm. but um yeah so so anyway back to yeah he is he is um, but back to Angie. Um, so John Turturro playing Polly comes over and they're kind of, they've been in a relationship, like, I guess, like childhood, you know, uh, sweethearts. Um, and this is where we get the signature spike tracking shot where he puts two people mm-hmm. in a chair or whatever. And he has the camera on them as it's moving forward, which is a nice directorial signature. Like whenever it pops up, it is so unique and no one else does that. Um, it's so it's a nice way to, to off. I can imagine. It's, yeah, it's. Everybody, I feel I mean, like. What is, oh, go ahead. I'm what sorry. is he actually doing from like a technical level to achieve that? Do you know. Uh, so the way I've seen it, the way I've seen people copy it, I don't know if this is actually how he does it, but he'll have a, uh, have like a skateboard like box that the actors will kneel on. It has to be wide enough for both of them to be able to do it on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, kind of like the way this mic is set up, the camera will be set up on their faces, also mm-hmm. on the skateboard. And then the operator will pull the skateboard and it'll, the camera's moving and also they're moving, but they're not walking. So it looks like they're right, moving. Right. It's very, yeah, cool. just, just to, yeah, that, that, that's really impressive. And just to give the, uh, the, I mean, it gives you the sensation of like, you know, they're transporting somewhere. They're not conscious of their, how they're moving. They're just talking to each other. And uh, it happens in black Klansmen at the end. It happens in the five bloods. It happens maybe in all his movies. I mean, I've only seen like four, I think, by this point. But um, I can't remember if it's a Malcolm X thing. Malcolm X. It, oh, okay. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, we get we get to know that like they're kind of you know a little bit of a of an item. Um, and then I think right after that, pretty much we get the scene where they're in the office late uh, at night, Angie and Flip. Um, now here's what I have to say about this. This, this is the scene where I started to get, um, confused because there's something with the music in this movie that like, Mm -hmm. like Spike Lee loves himself some like operatic score, but I was like, am I watching a silent movie? Why is the, it's so like oppressive 
and it's it doesn't go with what i feel like the tone of the scene is which is that these two people are like they're getting to know each other they're flirting a little bit but there's like this music that just won't quit and it just keeps going for the whole scene and it's like distracting to me um what were you gonna say jude that was the same character was piping all the secretaries i don't care what nobody says <laughs> you are not he was bro serial he so was <laughs> nah bro he so was piping all the secretaries during that because that just doesn't happen like that he's like and also when and the initiation of him actually cheating i never cheated on my wife before like you're assuming that it's going down that's a line bro i know it's a line in actual one but that's a line my nigga yeah he totally did definitely a dropped line um and then it's weird because when they actually do start having sex there's no score then so it's like that would you would think if anything that like in in normal movies Mm -hmm. that's like the scene is building up to that and then the music swells but they're just having this like quiet very um detailed Mm -hmm. you know intercourse on the desk and um it's like i mean i i was almost like is this actually simulated or was was this was this a closed set like were wesley yeah i think it was an artistic um shot it was an artistic um move to do the reverse of what you just said how the music leads to the sex like no music no music then you hear something in the back and then you know spicy shit happens and then big old violins (laughs) and trumpets and shit start happening yeah i don't know maybe it was or or maybe you know yeah i think that the music is is one of the one of the weak points in this because i think that even when it does work or fits the scene then it like it it's playing too long like then characters yeah. start talking I'm like okay i want to hear what they're saying like can you lower just turn it down a little bit mm-hmm. or you know um yeah so i think some of it is weirdly edited into the into the movie um but uh you know they do the deed um and uh afterwards they start telling their friends or, or you know so um, mm-hmm. um wesley to see um, Spike Lee playing, you know, uh, a character in his own movie, Cyrus, I think is his name. Yeah. Um, and he's like, you know, yeah, I got something to tell. Now, he, there's also a lot, I think this movie is like, like at some point, one of my notes was, was there a script? Because I think that most of these <laughs> scenes are totally improvised, <laughs> which works in some stuff and, and doesn't in others. But like, I can. I felt like I was able to tell sometimes when it was like, okay, so this scene is what it's about. Go, and um, yeah, uh, this is one of them. Like the scene between Flipper and Cyrus, um, you know, it seems like they were just letting the camera roll until one of them said what they needed to say, and then you know we would stitch the footage together afterwards. I don't know if you, any of you guys, got that same impression. I felt. I felt oh, go ahead. No, no, I, I was just gonna say, I, I. It feels very improvisational, but I felt like the actual the way the scenes play. Spike is like a big fan of musicals. Weirdly, like he's like a huge fan yeah. of musical theater, um, mm-hmm. musical movies, um, and it felt like Grease, like when they're talking about you know the summer loving thing, oh, yeah, like yeah, cutting back and forth. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this nigga really loves musicals. That's all I was thinking <laughs> the whole the whole time. But it's very possible. I mean, I don't know, but. It, it could be impressive. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good. Uh, I think correct on good, that. Yeah, I didn't think of. I didn't even know that about him. But it does feel super greasy. And um, yeah, we're we're cross cutting between Flipper talking to Cyrus and Angie talking to her two, you know, um, hood rat Italian friends. <laughs> I don't even know if, if I don't know if they have names, but um, 
you know, and both both of their their friends kind of give them the same reaction of like, oh, like you got with a white chick. Oh, you got with a black dude. Like, you know, um, there is a there is a jab at Puerto Ricans in this scene, which I really you picked up on. Um, I did. I did. Um, you know, I I well, I forgot. I think the, one of the Italian girls, the friends, was like. You know, yeah, maybe a Jewish guy or a Puerto Rican, but a black guy, like that was like a whole nother like. Yeah, and then also I think she she was talking about like a friend of theirs who dated a black dude, um, mm-hmm. and she was Puerto Rican, um, something like that. Yeah, I mean there are no, I don't think there are any like named Puerto Rican characters in this. It's very much like black and Italian, um, you know that sort of dichotomy. Um, so I I noticed so when you said earlier about um like Sam's character Samuel L. Jackson's character like not mm-hmm. being purposeful here I think that comment is what made him relevant because his older brother Flip's older brother is who you know the Italians are afraid of you know their daughters getting with. You know they assume that okay if you're going right. to be dating a black guy it's going to end up being a guy like you know, Flip's older brother, when in reality, you could see the, the duality of, you know, it, it, you, they're not all going to be like crackheads. crackheads. They're also <laughs> successful people and yeah. people in, in the workforce and stuff. So um, I thought that was the, that to me was like the reason. And I did like all the like intertwining of all the characters. Like mm-hmm. I didn't notice until just, you know, now that, one of the girl, one of the girlfriends of uh, Angie is the girlfriend of the of Vinny, right? Mm-hmm. Am I right or wrong? Yeah, you're right. You're correct. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah, I the did. One with the big hair. Hair with the big hair. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, I think that was. I, I thought that was pretty interesting. It gives you a sense of how close-minded the the community is. But this yeah, is a part where like I, what they said, even like uh, Vinny was saying, like I would never let my girl do, you know, talk back to me or do this or do that or blah blah blah. And you can mm-hmm. see, like, even like that kind of being brought up in that, like she already has that in. in that's right. That she was like, the one who was. I'm not gonna that. step out. I'm not gonna. Yeah. Do I'm not gonna do anything that's gonna make Vinny like beat the shit out of me. You know, so. Right. She was the one who was in the car with him every time he went to visit Polly at the shop. Now. Yeah, remember. which I yeah. thought was. That was her, I think. Yeah. So, so, but this is a part that I wanted to ask you guys about, like, how did, like, well, actually, you know what? I'll save it for the end. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be one of our, I'll, I'll make a mental note. Um, but so right yeah, they get their, their, they tell their friends and then, you know, um, Wesley is like, but you can't tell anybody, like, keep it super quiet. And Cyrus is like, yeah, bro, I got you. And then two scenes later, immediately uh um wesley's wife finds out but before that is i think where we have him going in to see his bosses and being like you know let me get a promotion um because i deserve it i helped you make this firm what it is and they're like no Mm -hmm. just give us more time this is this is where i was like oh there was like you guys didn't know what the words (laughs) this felt super like for me prolonged and kind of like actors just talking well, let's talk like people in this situation would talk. And then, they, so they have the long scene in the meeting room, but then they also have Flipper walking out of the office with his bosses following him. We have to do that. There's just a lot of scenes that are super long in this movie that I feel like could have been chopped. Um, 
but yeah, him being like, that's mine, 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 you know, everything he, I guess, designed that's in the, that the, any, every of their, uh, every one of their buildings that he designed or something like that. Um, he decides to quit, start his own architectural business, which we don't see him do, uh, by the end of the movie. Um, so we're left to wonder and we'll talk about the end. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, he quits and he's on his way home and, um, I think am I jumping over something? Is this when like shortly after that is when he he come, he pulls up to the block and he sees Drew is tossing yeah. all of his his clothes. And at first I thought this was because like oh she found out that he quit and now she's like being like you know we're broke and you know whatever. But it was actually because she they were not going to be uh, broke. Angie, mm-mm, mm-mm, yeah. Mm-mm. But also they had gone on the date. Angie and him had gone on like a date to that restaurant and Queen Latifah was like. What the hell? That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. I skipped my own notes. Yeah. So first of all, this is where we actually learn that um, Gator and Flipper are brothers because he pulls up to the park where he's talking to Cyrus with Halle Berry, who, as you all demonstrated, Halle Berry uh, scared or, or, the shit out of me in this movie. Oh my god! Yeah. As as you all uh, um, uh, talked about, um, she looks maybe eighteen, <laughs> and Sam Jackson, like Wes said. Oh, never looks no, younger. Than no, me. I'm looking up her age. Please keep talking. I'm looking. No, up- no, it's like, she may not have that been actually scary. 18, but she was. She definitely looks considerably younger than he is, and they're this like argumentative, um, mutually abusive, uh, crackhead couple. And Gator's like, "Yo, bro, let me get. Uh, you know, let me. I'm, I'm a little light. Let me get some some money. Like, you want me to go knock out an old? I'm gonna get the money anyway. You know, any one way or another. I don't want to have to knock some old woman over the top of the head to get it, but I will do that. Um." And so Flipper gives him the money. And then, yes, they go on the date. This is where we get a Queen Latifah cameo. Always got to shout out the queen. She's playing the waitress. This is an important question. When is it okay to argue with a service worker? Because she had been ignoring them for 30 minutes, Uh, strictly on the basis of their interracial. um, In that moment, uh, in those cases, yeah. I think it depends also where, who you are and where you're from and where you're eating. Um, Mm -hmm. Because... Jude, I know you remember that we've had some some hostess that were a little, you know, wild. Like one of them who was from Brooklyn, and she was talking to a waiter. I mean, to to a customer, a little bit, a little bit crazy. And the customer is like, "Where are you from?" And she's like, "Brooklyn." And she's like, "Okay," because only bitches from Brooklyn can talk to me like that. And I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> so that's a one in a million chance that that's gonna mighty <laughs> Bro, it is mighty ghetto <laughs> where we used to work. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering about that because I was like, I mean, yeah, like the, you know, one of the golden rules is like, don't give your service workers a hard time. Mm-hmm. But no. if you did show up somewhere, it's been 30 minutes and everyone around you has been gotten to and you can tell that this person is like <laughs> skirting you. I think that maybe it's okay to be like, uh, now, maybe not everything he said to her was appropriate mm-hmm. but the, but i think his anger was well placed i just wanted to check as i knew we had two former restaurant nah, tiers here <laughs> that's valid you should just serve your tables bro don't get fucking fired like a dickhead right and don't get involved with people's you know personal lives <laughs> if you know, what is it you either way if he's dating a white woman but that's one of the i mean the, really the movie is very focused on like what everyone else thinks about Mm -hmm. them together like that's one of the big points um so yeah this is now where flipper is on his way home from the date and he sees all his stuff being cast out onto the street like a you know a garage sale 
and um, uh, Drew is screaming from the window. She's cussing him out. And I wondered, because I was like, I, I think that the the anger itself that she's demonstrating is super valid and it's realistic. I, I do believe, uh, I know that a lot of black women, um, like there's an extra level of insult and injury when they're cheated for a white woman um, or any mm-hmm. or any lighter woman, but specifically a white woman. Um, but I wondered if the way they were demonstrating it wasn't kind of also adding to like stereotypes, mm-hmm. you know? It, it's messy either way. It was just yeah. I I thought I thought everyone in that room was an idiot. I didn't think they were very smart. You know them <laughs> being nah that ass like them having any kind of presumptions of who they prefer. You know they're also the problem that they don't but think they're any good. About, about, oh, so you're talking about the actual like this the talking scene afterwards? Where all yeah. The oh my. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's I mean. That's good too, because I actually I liked that scene. Like this is where we got to the point where now past an hour, for some reason the movie just seemed to be a little tighter as far as it, its pacing. Um, but I liked that. I mean, this felt almost like a play, like watching a uh, watching a play, and I, I it felt like guide actual like when guided improv works well, and it's like. It, maybe it was scripted, but it felt very like a natural conversation between women. Like Spike just put, put the camera on and was like, talk about black men and, and interracial relationships. Um, but Abril, did you, I, I think you said you liked this scene. Yeah, I did. Um, I thought, I thought I really, I really liked the scene of the girls talking because um, it shows the layers of complexity that mm-hmm. like when people talk about like, black people it's like oh all under one umbrella but it's like there's so many there's so many um differences so like even if you're lighter if you're mixed if you're you know darker skinned all these things play into so like the colorism is so like they all had different issues with colorism like Mm -hmm. um the wife uh drew right i think that was her name drew Mm -hmm. she she was talking about all her childhood being called you know um yellow uh, yeah. bone or, or this or that like all these different things and then the darker girl was talking about how you know when she was growing up that all the black guys wanted lighter skinned girls and now it's that they don't even want black girls in general and they want you know other people which honestly it's it's a bad generalization i don't like saying like oh all these guys are going after all you know just these girls is you know but mm-hmm. it it is like a concern, especially if you see it often. Like even now, there was like that video of that that guy who was like catcalling some girl, and she ignored him, a black girl on the street, and she's like, "Well, this is why we go after white bitches and blah blah blah." And it's like, okay, gross. One, two, yeah. like you know, that's such a terrible thing to say to someone, and like, I don't know. So I, I really thought that conversation was like relevant which is sad that like mm-hmm. a lot of these movies have themes that are still relevant today mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah i think something missing though is also the argument of classism because i remember hearing the um i think what who was it um i think it was drew who mentioned we don't go after garbage men blue collar men who are out here working mm-hmm. you know they want to ascend to what is perceived as a better cleaner job you know, so I thought mm-hmm. uh, another conversation was classism in the movie. That is another thing they all had an issue with. It's colorism and classism, you know, like they don't want yeah. anyone lesser than, especially like black men, they want someone not as smart as them, 
someone that they feel mm-hmm. superior to. Well, I can't say it like that, but men in general probably want someone not as smart as them they feel superior to, especially. I, yeah. That that was really that was a great point. Like of like when they said like, oh, you know, find me a guy who's gonna be okay with me making more money than him, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and being more educated than him, and still being like him being okay with that and like securing his masculinity. Mm-hmm. Another one that I wanted to point out was the girl who was like, oh, the, they called her like the rainbow reader or like the rainbow. <laughs> Yo, yeah, well, that's my that girl one. right there. You know what I'm saying? I loved her. <laughs> really, really loved her because she was like, look. I'm just gonna love whoever loves me and I feel like that's the approach people should take like don't instead of spending time like angry about who doesn't want you look at who doesn't want you you know like but I don't know there was was so many great paralyzed Chinese niggas saying what's up to you (laughs) (laughs) Wes Uh, I think I mean just taking in both that scene and then the scene where she's throwing stuff out the window I think it's complicated we might get to it later I think Spike mm-hmm. has issues with like writing black women. Like I think the scene with all them together is like the best scene he's ever had with black women like mm-hmm. talking to each other. Cause I think there's other mm. scenes in other movies where they're either non-existent or they're stereotypes. And I think mm-hmm. a little bit of that in this movie when she's throwing the stuff out the window. Not that like women don't do that or men don't do right. that, but there are like if you look at the movie, like certain stereotypes that are like specifically towards black women that he like uses. And doesn't like yeah. attempt to like deepen or anything. They're just kind of there. Um, but with the conversation, I thought that was such an interesting conversation because I think the best part, the part of the movie that works the best is that it's unresolved, that no one has any answers. And mm-hmm. it almost made me wish that those women were the main characters because it was like all of them don't really know what they're doing. They're just talking. They're just helping their homegirl who's like gone through this like traumatic experience. And they're all mm-hmm. kind of like sharing their experience. And to be honest, the part of it that hit me the most is the idea that like a lot of black men, once they become successful, like whiteness is like a status for them. You feel me? Like right. they, they like, it's not even so yeah. much an attractive thing. It's like, Oh, I'm now closer to whiteness. And what's going to bring me the closest is by being with this white woman. Um, which is why the garbage man and the class conversation comes in. It was really interesting to me. Um, but I thought that scene was amazing. I thought, I thought, the way he wrote all those women, the way those women, like their performances were amazing. I think it's like one of the mm-hmm. best in the movie. Agreed. Yeah, Agreed. Um, so afterward, there's a brief conversation between Flipper and Cyrus. And I don't know how Flipper didn't think, or rather, because Cyrus is like, I told my wife, I didn't <laughs> think she'd tell anybody. It's like, bro, <laughs> you live in the same building. Also, they're best friends. Like, mm-hmm. you may as well have walked up, knocked on the door and told Drew yourself. Uh, for all of that so pretty stupid friend move there um but then he also raises a good point like i didn't tell you to go sleep with another woman so the blame is really on you (laughs) whether or not you know i knew about it this was still the wrong uh, something wrong that you did Mm -hmm. um so then after that is that when flipper goes to see um let me look at this wikipedia plot summary here because i just watched (laughs) it but you know what it's so it's so long. It's so it's dense. So You're like, yo, what just happened? It's, it is long. Um, I think he goes afterwards to um to visit Drew at work. Oh yeah. Yes. After well, he has to move out. Like he has to say stay with his parents for a little bit on his little boy bed, and yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and the same night, um, Angie comes home and gets just uh, beat brutalized. Up. 
by her dad. I mean, as soon as she walks in the door, it's a backhand. And then he's like throwing her around. It's really, it's really over the top. Like, and, and this is another scene where, again, the music, it's like, I, it's not that sometimes you can't have like, um, like, for example, I can, I'll, I'll contrast this with um, when Paulie is walking to his date later on in the movie oh and my God. playing that Frank Sinatra song. I think that scene is really cool. And mm-hmm. I think the music works in that. But for some yeah. reason in this, it just seems like chaotic. And I, I'm not, I wasn't sure, you know, um, I'm not sure why. Some things are just a matter of feel, like just a matter of sensation mm-hmm. when you're watching a movie. And this to me was, was again, it was distracting. But, um, you know, he's like basically, you know, you could have been with a black, you could have been with a, no, well, not with a black, you could have been with a Jew or an Irishman, you know, but, <laughs> um, and his, yeah. And, and they have to, his, uh, her brothers have to come and pull the dad. He takes off his belt. I mean, he's like, he's yeah. ready to, it, Dude, he's that basically happens. gonna kill her. Yeah. They haven't come um, to your mom, uh, because I, of um, yeah. So, like, my, my pops, my, my mom, my mom's crazy for this one, first of all. Not that she got with my dad, that she did this. My mom pulled up to um, her crib in Queens, her, her dad's crib in Queens, and brought him in the house and went to the bathroom and left them niggas alone. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? She left and your then, dad alone with her family? Oh, no, just my, just uh, my grandpa. My uh, grandmother passed oh. away like 20 years before. And then, and then my grandfather pulls up to the projects in Wagner looking for my pops. Jeez Louise. Then I'm born and, and, and <laughs> you know, and you are meant to, you are meant to unite the two cities <laughs> and bring us I together. Lot, I got a lot of things to say about this at the end of this plot line. I, I'm, I'm excited um, because I mean, even when we talked about this up top, like when I said we could watch Jungle Fever, Jude was like, oh yeah, because me. He's like, he was like, I'm a product of Jungle Fever. Um, Jude, what but, uh, was your mom's from? What neighborhood was your mom's from? What neighborhood were your mom's from? Bayside, Queens. Okay. Yeah, not like she's from Bensonhurst. That's deep. Bensonhurst. I mean, Bayside is also deep. But. Yeah. Both of them are deep for me, shoot. Regardless. <laughs> um, yeah, man. That's it far. I'm trying to remember. I was going to say something about... Oh, okay. So, I really... I think my favorite character in this whole movie is Polly. Because yes, hands down, because one he is just like the anti of all the the isms like in this mm. movie, and like uh-huh. with all the other guys in the movie, like if Angie would have came to them and said, "I have to break up with you because I cheated on you and I and I went with you know I'm dating a black guy now," yeah, like flew off the handle, they would have all killed her. Like they, mm-hmm. you know, or, or oh yeah, they beat the shit out of her. Yeah, mm-hmm. so. But Paulie was chill, and he was, you know, he took it. And honestly, there's nothing that like, I'm, it's so weird. I love seeing a man cry in like a movie or something. I feel like it's so not because I'm happy he's crying, but like that, like you, I, like that release is good, you know, like that, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and you don't really see it a lot. Um, but Mo- movies, movies are an escapist fantasy where men are allowed to show their em- or feel comfortable showing their emotion. But even yeah. then, but even then, we barely ever see it. We barely ever see black men cry on screen. Like, like, oh, yeah. I, I love yeah. that. Yeah, and I think like him showing showing that vulnerability is just you know 
it just deepens his character because that's who his character is is a very sweet sensible like he he you know says goodbye to his deceased mother every day before leaving the house and he takes mm-hmm. care of his dad and um and I don't want to like fast forward, but even like him defending the the black woman, the, the customer, to mm-hmm. like all these other guys, and the way that he pointed out that none of them voted, that mm-hmm. talk about relevant. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you get like complaining about stuff and then not actually like doing anything about it, like just right. sitting mm-hmm. there to affect anything. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. like yeah. I I just loved you know I thought that was really like heartwarming and then the whole monologue with the dad i felt like was not really needed here <laughs> like no i do like it though. i mean it's like y'all said when we were texting before this is like if spike doesn't do anything else he will let somebody have a monologue everybody, right? everybody gets <laughs> even, a monologue even if it takes up 13 minutes of this two-hour film no, <laughs> they do a great job um spike does a great job contrasting Polly, and mm-hmm. and i mean like you know you get why um why andrew would be attracted to him he is like he's different he's not like the standard machismo you know italian guy uh there yeah. is a, sensit- a sensitivity to him and maybe the bar is on the floor and that like he just he doesn't like you know he's not derogatory towards her. He doesn't slap her. Like maybe the standard is like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, ground level, but it's, it's better than I guess what she was used to. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she gets kicked out. You know, he basically, her father, Angie's father disowns her. Essentially her friends come to pick her up, even though one of them is the one who ratted her out to Angie's brothers in the first place. Mm-hmm. And then that's how it got to the father. Um, can't later, tell nobody then, nothing. Can't yeah. Tell you really nothing. can't. and then right after that um flipper goes to drew's workplace he tries to reconcile with her we get this very good scene i thought where this is where she's talking about like i grew up being called high yellow yellow bone octoroon (laughs) naming all this stuff um and uh and she's saying like i i feel like you were only attracted you were only ever attracted to me because i'm half white Mm -hmm. um and that there was like and now she feels like her half black side means that she's not enough for him and um he's like that's ridiculous you're so caught up in color and she's like no you're all caught up in color um and all of that uh but it kind of ends with her being like i I don't love you and i won't love you again um so that's what that is so then flipper and angie move in together um an apartment somewhere in green uh, greenwich apparently uh and um they uh well, that's weird because Wikipedia says that this is where they get the Wikipedia plot summaries all over the place. But yeah, they yeah. move in together. Um, and uh, then after that, he brings her to his house. Is that when he brings her to the house? He brings her. There's a bunch of like, yeah. the issue is there's like mad Sam Jackson scenes sprinkled in. <laughs> yeah. Shows up and then he's like, I'm on crack. And then you're like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> and then dips. Um, but I think he brings her to his parents' house and his dad like rebukes yes. her. Yeah, essentially, yeah. Um, this is this is really something. This scene, they're having this dinner scene, um, with the mother oh and uh, that poor woman. The mom is very sweet in this. Yeah, I mean, she's going that through poor so much. Woman. I just I don't so like seeing cool. old people in in under stress. Um, she's living with this, you know, emotionally distant husband, and um, it's tough. I mean, I think I mean, you know, um, I might have mentioned this in. Uh, when we were talking about New Jack, 
but um you know i've witnessed like drug addiction in my family and and my extended family and seen how that affects people and you always wonder it's like man as a parent like that as a parent though that like to see your child go through that has to be one of the most gut-wrenching heart-wrenching things you know you feel like you failed you feel like you know whatever and and you love them and you want them to get better but then you're also tired sometimes of the of the abuse from them you know the financial abuse let me get you know yeah. a little 20 dollars and then um it's like if you love me you know this that and the third and um you know i'm sick you want me to get better which is you know at the end of uh at the end of the movie is one of the things that that gator says to his mom like i'm sick and in order for me to get better i need money you know in order for me to get level or whatever um but yeah they go to uh flipper introduces angie to his family and this is where the good reverend doctor goes on a bit of a he has his own monologue a bit of a historical about how i guess how mulattoes so to speak mulatto people came into existence um that there would be you know white men who obviously would uh assault um black slaves and people like that and he uses he takes this whole analogy just to come and at the end of it and call her a whore like i don't it's like if you were going to do that <laughs> you should have just done it up top but he says you know i don't eat with whoremongers and he walks out of the the kitchen which is when i get one of the one of my favorite lines uh the mother goes but you knew she was coming <laughs> she's like, why did you invite her in the first place if you were just going to do all that which is very dramatic of him um that they leave, they're driving home, and then they get into a play fight in the street, uh, and they get the cops called on them. Now, I thought this was a pretty cool scene in that both of them have different responses to the situation. Because How did my parents do? Yeah. Yo, I'm sorry to interrupt, but like, no, no, I mean, nah, this happened to my parents. Like, um, my dad was driving, and my mom was in the next in in the um passenger seat, and they're driving. I don't know where they were going, but that part doesn't matter. So they're driving, cop car comes, woo, woo, woo. And the cop, you know, lights registration, please. And like shaking my dad down. I don't know if he got like in his face, but he started like, yo, what you doing here? Blah, 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 blah. You know, being mad, abusive, being police. And then the mm-hmm. cop that was probably my mom was just like, Nail, are you okay? Mm-hmm. What's happening to you? Like she's a prostitute or something or mm-hmm. whatever, and she's like, "Nah, I'm not, this this nigga my husband, like, <laughs> you know." So that same thing happened to my parents a couple times. Oh wow, that's crazy. I mean, th- this scene is interesting because the their their responses are totally different mm-hmm. in that, and you can see the same thing happen Angie, from my parents with them. Yeah. Like one guy's trying like, to calm oh, her down. Yeah, that's my that's my that's my boyfriend. He's my lover, whatever. But then mm-hmm. Flipper is trying to deny any connection with her at all mm-hmm. because he feels like that'll only make it worse. Which yeah. I thought was 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 a nice kind of um, um, it was a nice touch in the script to have that moment where it's not like you know that's my you know he's not gonna be like that's my girlfriend. You know he's like no, I was just helping her get home. Like I, I have nothing to do with her. You know, um, which causes a bit of a rift between them. Um, after that, uh, we get to this is the thing shortly after Flipper goes to visit his mom and she's like, yeah, Gator stole my TV. Uh, so I need you to go get that back before, <laughs> before, um, you know, your father gets home. And then this is him walking through Harlem. We get a Charlie Murphy cameo. Oh, Charlie Murphy. Oh, my God. 
I'm convinced that every 90s black movie had to have contractually either Sam Jackson, Queen Latifah, or Charlie Murphy in it. They are in <laughs> one, one or more of them are in every single movie from the 90s black movie. Maybe because is it's and Queen Latifah has shown up in two movies that we've done now, and yeah, Sam Jackson. I mean, they were all just like it was like a an agreement they had, a collective. Um, but he's looking for Gator and he goes to this place called the Taj Mahal, which is just a crack den. And he finds oh Gator God. laying there with Halle Berry. Um, and the, he's like, you know, where's the, uh, where's the TV, man? He's like, where do you think the TV is? I'm, we're smoking it, bro. Like it's right here. This is the TV now. Um, and then, yeah. Um, and then Flipper flips out and he takes some of the crack and he throws it away and all that. Um, and then, uh, uh, I, I was thinking the only thing I could think of during that scene was like, it's times like these where you're glad that film only really engages two senses, your sight and your hearing. Cause the smell in this place must've been really atrocious. <laughs> Flipper is definitely selling that. Um, I don't know what crack smells like though. Uh, so uh, you're never going to find out. We're never yeah. gonna find out. I would hope, I would hope not. Um, so yeah, uh, Paulie, then he goes, uh, he talks to this, um, there's a black woman who routinely comes to his shop, uh, and she's kind of nice to him. She smiles, asks him how's he, how he's doing and all that. So he asks her on a date, um, after we get another scene, kind of the equivalent to the woman, to the black women scene earlier, but now we're dealing with the Italian guys mm -hmm. and it does do a good job of showing like, oh, well, like, you know, I would get with a black girl, but I wouldn't, but I'm not black. And like, I don't, you know, I'm as white, you know, as anyone and there are dark Italians and don't say I'm black and whatever. So like, there's this, this fetish, fetishization, right. Of black women or of black men, but there is no, uh, desire to know about them beyond that. I was going to say, uh, I, it's really true. Like what, how those, those guys talk. I went to school in Brooklyn with a lot of Italian and Russian guys and the way mm -hmm. they talk about black women and then in turn, like the way. A lot of Italian women, in my experience, talking about black mm -hmm. men, um, like it's burned into my brain. Some of the things they said, like I remember once they were talking about like some some guys like like penis, and they were like they were like yo, they're like he's he's black, so his penis is really big. And I remember just mm -hmm. sitting a couple feet away. Like, <laughs> so like, if nothing else, like Spike captures like how people of the same like group talk to mm -hmm. each other like really really well in this movie especially with those italian boys absolutely yeah um but yeah he goes to ask out um uh vera is she yes i think it's Damn. vera um yeah he's, he he uh he says like i like you and she's like well i never thought of you that way but i'm gonna think about it and whatever and um on his way out later to go see her you know after his dad because uh, he lives with his father who's you know locked in his grief about his missing wife and he spends the whole movie talking about like oh like that was a woman and da da da, da. um he's not yiddish but um <laughs> you know, I, I was yeah yeah i was married to a real woman and you know marriage today is just an excuse to hump you don't stick through anything and um so he finds out that his son is going on a date with a black woman he gets upset you're not my son. It's the same, you know, the same essentially scene as uh, with Angie, but John Tutor does a really good job here being like, you know, I'm not your wife. I'm your son. You had your life. Let me have mine. I think it's phenomenal. Um, and he's walking to go see her. And then his friends are following him. Um, 
and you know you think you're better than me Polly. Da, 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 da. he turns around and slams that dude's head into the the metal recycling bin. well not recycling i don't think we were recycling in the 90s it's like a mailbox uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah it's like one of those uh one of those um containers you get the newspapers out of or mm-hmm. something he just racks his head he's bleeding and then he gets jumped by the other dudes pulls up to vera's I home and she's like that scene was so I liked it. I, liked it. I, I it was like beautiful in like a chaotic way, but yeah. like the fact that he was like they're just like yelling at him as he's walking down the street. They're like, and he's just keeping his cool, keeps walking, and it's not until like somebody like shoves him, like Vinny shoves yeah. something that he's like, oh, not today, bro, and then he still gets there. Like, yeah, yeah, that was beautiful. I thought that was so cool i don't know it's so good and and like the way like he comes out of the house and the camera is just kind of like that it's just kind of moving them and it doesn't stop like the camera doesn't stop it just kind of tracks along with them and then it Mm -hmm. until they kind of converge on him i think it was it's like really cool really well filmed very well like that that was the moment where i thought the soundtrack was effective just all around that was great um but uh yeah i mean this is essentially getting to the wrap up um after this is when uh um this is when gator shows up at the uh at his parents house um and because he waits for his father to leave so that he can go in and harass his mother and he's just tearing this woman's kitchen apart it's it's just it's hard to watch and um she's like trying to get him out but you know she's an old woman there's only so much she can do um you know he's where's the money he's getting desperate he's getting angrier you know and all that his dad comes home. I thought I told you never to step foot in my house again. Pulls the gun on him and shoots him right in the gut. Not even really the gut, right above the like right, right above the, the nuts. Almost. Yeah, it yeah. really. That is a slow. I mean, he bleeds out very painfully. Um, and and then the dad just sits there. I mean, this feel. He uh, apparently Spike Lee said he was um inspired. That Marvin Gaye shit. The Marvin Gaye. Oh, is that yeah, what that was? Shooting. Oh, yeah, yeah, that makes so, sense. and it does feel very. Um, that's what I, again, like right out of a different movie, especially by that point, because yeah. up to this point, Gator has been the comedic relief, mm-hmm. but now we're supposed to take him seriously, which is fine. But then, like, I then I feel like I need to be more invested in him, yeah, besides just being like that, like Wes said, you know, I'm on crack and <laughs> saying that and dipping. So, uh, he dies, and there's really no, um, ceremony about it like i don't even think that flipper finds out last time oh, yeah. we see flip he go he's going back to see his wife um they're having sex again and the daughter wakes up like she's like everything is good now okay i know i know i know what you mean jude when you were like <laughs> thank oh, you oh i like she's happy to see the affection but also maybe it's the performance but like the way like she's sitting there and she's like smiling. Yeah. It's very weird. Like I was. It's crazy. Crazy as hell. <laughs> that little girl got paid like fifty dollars for that, and like <laughs> it's I love unsettling her. for sure. And it's not helped by the same shot, Spike Lee racking in focus on her as she sits up. It's just like, ugh, like, and and then you, but then it's not her fault. Like the kid is going to be a kid. You wonder about the parents. Like, can y'all? Yeah, she's eight. Go to I don't know. Go to the stairwell or something. Like, when did she? <laughs> put her in a different room but um yeah he and then so he has a conversation with his daughter this mean you're moving back in with us and he's like you know not today sometime in the future mm-hmm. you know can you walk me to school he can't he leaves his brownstone he's walking down the block <laughs> <laughs> he's, 
Does anyone want to recreate the ending uh, of this? <laughs> April, you do it. April, you do it. My, wait, before 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 we do this, before we do this, we, we have to we have to Wesley preface it by saying out. that there's a previous scene where Wesley is walking his daughter to school, and Halle Berry pulls up on him, and she's like, you know, I'll blow you for five dollars. <laughs> like, like, and then all right, three. <laughs> And he, and and yeah, three dollars, three. And he snatches his daughter across the street and says, like, "Listen, you ever do drugs? I'll kill you." Which is another scene that is unintentionally funny. Which is because hilarious. Swing <laughs> that girl around, like because oh, first cool. of all, the little girl can't take this seriously because she doesn't know the stakes. And then like it's a thing where again, if the drugs like it's just kind of two themes that aren't well connected. It would be one thing. I think the only way to connect them would be like. You would need to have one of the people in the relationship also on drugs, like yeah. it, like the fact that it's Gator, that means that it's they don't have to worry about. It. They literally kick him out of their house. Like Gator pulls up to their apartment, and he's like, "Yo, man, she got money." Because mm-hmm. I mean, you know, me personally, I would have opted for some money <laughs> if, if I was getting with a white girl. And he's like, "No, she doesn't have money. You're cut off. Get out of my life." Um, and he doesn't do anything. Like, there's no there's the issue with Gator <laughs> is like. There's no real danger to him being in the area. It's not like he pulls exactly. out a knife and you're like, you my money. It's like he's just annoying. Like he just pulls he up. And he's like, you're- he, yes, he lit and it, and and it would be one. That's why like the last scene feels so jarring because there's no like incremental build up to him needing like like he like it would be one thing if he showed up at the at the at the park in the first scene and he was like okay. You know, yo, I'm I'm a little light. Like I need some money. Maybe Wesley gives him some. Then the next time, Wes is like, "No, I'm not going to give you any." But he's already maybe a little more desperate as opposed to still being a clown. You know, so that by the end, you're like, he's been going maybe a while without it, and he really is going to do something. He's going to hurt somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you don't really feel that, but yeah. So that's that's the preface to this scene. That Abril, I'm going to let you go ahead and get back to your summary. Yeah, I'm dead ass about to check like if anybody's home, if, if <laughs> was in the room next door. Cause, um, but basically, he's walking down the street and this girl comes up to him and says, oh my God, I can't even say it. She she said, <laughs> Jude, stop laughing. She makes, she makes essentially the same offer. I'll just, she, she makes the same offer. She proposes. Yeah. An offer. She and calls also, him daddy. It's a whole daddy. daddy. She proposes to give him a blowjob for two dollars. First of all, right. And and then and she didn't look yeah. like she was as as like she, yeah yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. She wasn't as strung out as Hallie. Lip, she wasn't. Clifford just grabs her and says no. <laughs> was so and then the movie ends. It just ends. <laughs> so is it supposed to be his daughter? Like what? For me, I think it's supposed like to represent her. I don't know if it really is her, but I think it's. I guess like, maybe because she said "daddy," that's like that because it's very intentional that she said that. It's triggering. Listen, here's what I thought was gonna happen. I when he grabbed her head, I was like, "Is he gonna start praying for her?" Like what? <laughs> like I thought that the, that the good Reverend Doctor was gonna come out of him in that moment, but what we got was way worse. Uh, than that. At least that would have made some sense. I, and then I started to, I was like, does Spike Lee know how to end a movie? I started going back through the, I was, do the right thing has a, has a, a normal ending. Has a great ending. Like, yeah. Yeah. Him Malcolm standing in the street. Not. Malcolm X does not have a good ending. No. Okay. It has, <laughs> I'll have to wait to see it. It's yeah. It's, it's everything about that movie is perfect, but the ending. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? And that's why like with this, it's like, even, even though by this point, the movie had been kind of, it had been, 
winning me over again in a way like I felt like the second hour is a lot stronger. The ending just mm-hmm. totally undoes everything. I mean, also we should say by this point, Flipper and Angie have a conversation and they're like, we yeah. don't love each other. This is over. She moves back in with her family. Um, Poor girl. Yeah. I thought that that last scene, I, I, I don't know. I felt a little, because they do also have another point where basically she's like, do we have a future together? And Wesley's like, no, I don't want any, you know, half white kids. I don't want any mulatto kids, which is weird because his wife is that. I thought, I I also thought the same thing where I'm like, that, that's so weird of him to say that when his wife is. Yeah. But I guess like, that's one of the points. He went through all that like trauma of being called those different things that he doesn't want to do that. Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah. And then um, he already has a daughter, and mm. you know, and also it's like, it, let's say they have a future together. He has a daughter; she's half white, half black. Then he's living with his new daughter, who is whiter than his first daughter. Right. And so that might inflict some, you know. Yeah, yeah. It is, but it is an interesting conversation they have. I think it's it's well shot when they're sitting on that bed and. Mm-hmm. You know, um, like the some of the cinematography in this is really great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, the, <laughs> that's the end of the movie. We're left to wonder if Flipper will become, you know, uh, a prostitute reformer or what the situation is. We're not really sure, but we'll come back to talk about all of that after the break. Okay, so the final entry in our Hood Classic retrospective, Jungle Fever from 1991, directed and written by Spike Lee, with cinematography by Ernest Dickerson, who directed Juice, actually, uh, the last movie we oh, did. Dope. So um, a question that I wanted to ask you guys about the movie, um, there are some movies that raise like heavy topics and they don't have any intention of giving you an answer. Like it's mm-hmm. just to start conversation, right? And then there are some that try to answer and fail. Um, with this movie, I found myself wondering, do you think, what do you think, if anything, the movie is trying to say about like race as preference? And because I think it comes up a lot, obviously in that scene with the women speaking, obviously before that, when 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 Flipper and, um, and uh, Angie are both talking to their respective friends, you know, and, and Wes is like, well, um, not Wes, but Flipper is like, uh, well, you know, I, I was, uh, I've always been curious about Caucasian women myself and da, 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 da. And, um, uh, so I started to wonder, like, is the movie ultimately trying to say, like, trying to say exactly what the rainbow reader was saying that like, you should just look for someone who loves you. Or do you think that, you know, I mean, just how do you guys feel that the movie handles that theme, even if it is, if it isn't answering it? I don't, I mean, I think... I, this is a huge conversation, but I think it, it really, I think it really, it goes down to, uh, for me, like, I think Wesley Snipes character is like a genre of Spike Lee character. That's like, that he has in a couple of his movies, which is like the successful black man who's trying to be white. You know what I mean? Like he's really trying to be white. It's like, there's one in Bamboo. Yeah. He, they like pop up occasionally in his work. Mm-hmm. And I think, one facet of what he's saying is that there are black men who have reached a certain level of success who believe that now 
they deserve to get what white people have. You know what I mean? So like he's asking for promotion. He wants to be a partner. Um, he wants to have a, a white uh, partner uh, in his life. Um, and he's essentially like casting off everything that kind of shackles him to blackness, including his brother, including his parents um, yeah. and his family. And I think Spike is almost rebuking that kind of mindset. You know, like there's a lot of brothers who want to do that. And that will only lead to you being in a lot of pain because, I mean, I don't know if this is totally like, if this is aged well, but like, I think Spike is like, the equalizer is the police and the equalizer is America. And America will equalize mm. black men who believe themselves to be white eventually. Regardless. Um, yeah. But I think I think that's just kind of one facet of it um, in terms of that question. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I really, how do you think the movie handled this I mean, like you know is it when we when, especially if we compare it to today or or movies that have come out since then um that talk about interracial relationships and interracial romance how do you feel like it handles it well or, or where does it miss the mark i think uh it really highlights the complexities of the conversation because it's not just like are you a black guy who wants to date a white girl or are you a white girl who wants to date a black guy? It's like, even like as a black woman, like, you know, if you're darker skinned, do people want to date a darker skinned person? If you're lighter skinned, are people dating you because they're fetishizing you or fetishizing that you might be mixed or mm-hmm. you're not like, you know, a hundred percent black because they don't want to, you know, admit to themselves that they want to date a black person. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a lot of the conversation is irrelevant, but I feel like I don't see that conversation happening now. So the only recent example I could give you is um, the it's uh, that movie with Issa Rae and um, oh, I know what you're talking about. It was uh, uh, Kumail Nanjiani. Yes, um, I forgot the Kum- name of the movie, but I really loved it. It was a comedy. It, yeah, it was, was funny. comedy, but it's the first time that you see a dark-skinned black woman in a relationship with not another dark skinned black person. It's like, mm. I, what, I think he's Pakistani. Yeah. Or I'm not sure. I get it wrong, I think he's Paki. A brown dude. And <laughs> Pakistani. And, um, so I, I think um, it's not discussed enough. And especially now where like so many people are online dating and, and you know, they're not, uh, they're not, limited to just who is geographically around them you know like and even the even when you look at preferences like what people put as preferences on their dating profiles and things like that so the, the, it's a conversation that i don't think has like since that movie has not continued enough mm-hmm. um even though there are more mixed couples and interracial couples now yeah, yeah. Um, for me, I, I, I don't really think about the themes of race at all after a point. It, it just was, it just kind of felt redundant to me. But what I thought was another um, theme in the movie was this idea of ascension. You know, Wesley mm-hmm. was perceiving he was ascending to a better world, a better life away from his brother. I mean, his parents were cool, whatever, like when it came to like their lifestyle, or whatever, mm-hmm. even though their religious practices are a little OD for me. But his brother is at the gutter. He's at the bottom of the barrel. Mm-hmm. Wesley wants to be as far away from that as possible. And then, 
Angie wants to ascend away from her neighborhood, away from her brother. That's why also she, I think she, you know, started dating um, Wesley because she's not like, she's expected to date the same dudes in the neighborhood, you know, around the same girls. Like, it looks like they all grew up together and they all start messing with each other. And then mm-hmm. Paulie, who I also think is the best character, is the one who truly ascends. Not because he mm-hmm. dated a black girl, but because he ascended out of um, the crabs in the barrel of his neighborhood. He became mm-hmm. a man when he like ate, um, chewed out his father. I'm about to say ate out, but that was probably Matt Paul's. But he chewed out his father. <laughs> and Jude, I think he had good intention too. Like he didn't Absolutely, have any yeah. bad intentions in anything that he did. No, he did, had yeah. no bad intentions at all. Wesley like saw, you know, I need to be partner. I need this. I need that. My his ego was out of the was out of control with the my 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 mind. Mm-hmm. So he's it, it's a story about ascension and people wanting to get out of whatever situation they're in. I yeah, think. that's well put. That's a good. That's and, I, and and then when you think about that, also it's like the some of the some of the um some of the things that the different that different characters talk about through the movie can be found in certain characters in, in the sense that like okay like you said with Angie it's a it's it's a class issue because mm-hmm. she has only ever dated these blue collar you know type of dudes Wesley as character uh, you know Flipper is 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 black but he's rich so she can get yeah. with him and kind of come up a little bit Whereas then Drew was talking to her girls about how like we don't even pay we don't pay the mailmen the garbage men any any type of uh, mind we don't give them the time of day when those yeah. could be some of the really nice guys like Paulie mm-hmm. the diner the 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 diner owner who you know um, uh, he has this shop and this is this is this little mom and pop joint that he runs by himself it's an honest business you know and um, yeah and he and he does demonstrate he doesn't need that's all he winds up really needing to, to, to attract uh, Vera um, who seems like she's probably, you know, I mean, if he's a prime for Brooklyn college and she's probably supposed to be a little older than, than he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but you or know, the same age and he didn't go to school. Yeah, true, true. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, I think that's really well, that is pretty well articulated when you look back in hindsight mm-hmm. over the movie. Um, I mean, yeah, I think it, I think this is definitely, you know, I think like uh, Wes said up top, it's it's a movie that like Spike had a bunch of ideas for things he wanted to make and he Jungle Fever was really one, something that he wanted to make. I don't think that everything comes together very well, um, you know, and I do think that there are certain there are certain characters, certain lines, certain scenes that could be cut altogether um, that would yeah. make this a bit tighter. But um, but I don't think it's bad. It may, may not, it may be out of the Spike Lee movies I've watched, maybe my least favorite right now. Um, yeah. But I do think there's so much in here. I mean, I, like performance-wise, it's got incredible performances across the board. Even even from the no-name, so to speak, actors, uh, uh, the man, whoever plays Paulie's father is... Anthony Quinn. Nah. He Anthony in, Quinn? Um, yo, he was in uh, Breckman for Heavyweight. It's this depressing boxing movie. Oh. Yo. Crazy. He's not Requiem no, for a like, heavyweight. Who was who was that about? Which um, it's not about a specific boxer per se, but um, was it about an actual boxer? It's about this old time boxer who is beat up, punch drunk, brain damaged, and he needs work. But you know he's in with a mob. They're exploiting him. It's the whole. It, it, it's depressing. It's just not cool. But yeah. It's a good movie. Yeah. 
Anthony Quinn, then my bad, a legendary Italian actor. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but but yeah, it's got so many great performances. Um, I don't think there's anyone that's necessarily maybe with the exception of like you know Halle Berry's character. There's not too many one note like the like the principles are all pretty. They get a lot of time. They have a lot of range within their within their uh, um, time on screen. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's good. Um, but yeah, I think that if Jungle Fever was made today, there would be a lot of differences. Um, and uh, but I think it kind of has already been made. I think I think Get Out is the closest we get to uh, a movie that's in conversation with this. That is actually probably a little bit more focused. You know what I mean? Like I think. Yeah. 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 Because Jungle Fever after the first hour, like you said, it almost doesn't it's not about the interracial couple anymore. It's like that is just the impetus for us to see all these people in their lives. Like the, exactly. Yeah. See Wesley and his girlfriend together maybe four times. Uh yeah. But like get out is about the fact that like maybe this is a very bad idea. Like maybe <laughs> maybe I should not be dating this white girl. And why am I dating this white girl? Right. What does that mean? And I think it's it is an answer to this movie, but it's like a, a significantly more focused answer to this movie. That's well said. And Absolutely. I also think that, that the, the, because the, the, the preconception, at least for me, is that this would be a very like sex focused movie mm-hmm. because it's, it's all, because it would be about like the, the salaciousness of this interracial couple. And you have Wesley Snipes who, you know, was, I mean, I guess kind of a, maybe a bit of a sex icon in the nineties. Um, Annabella Shiora is, you know, obviously a good looking Italian woman too. So you have these two good, act- these good looking actors with chemistry. I think that they, they play well with each other. Um, Absolutely. And you think that that's going to be like the driving thing, but they only have sex in the movie one time, like that we see. Um, yeah. So I found myself really surprised by that. And then like you said, Wes, it's really like, okay, now that we've done this, like it's about every, it's about the fallout more than it is about the action itself um mm-hmm. so yeah I'm but i mean paulie um and wesley to kind of have paths crossed yes a bit. that was the one thing that i was waiting for um mm-hmm. but i think when they when they established that paulie like when he didn't fly off at the handle about angie being like you know i'm seeing someone else or at least in she didn't say it directly but she like mm-hmm. implied it mm-hmm. i yeah. think it that was their way of telling us like he's not gonna go after this dude that's not who he is yeah yeah um, and i'm actually i'm glad that it didn't turn into a thing where it was like me too angie's brother is rolled up on him and you know um, i thought that was gonna happen I assume. yeah yeah um but i'm glad that that wasn't the case um yeah overall i think you know it's a cool movie but if i were going to it's funny because our 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 this series is taking, it's kind of like a parabola because we started in 1991 with New Jack City and Wesley Snipes. And then we mm-hmm. went to 1995 for Friday, 1992 for Juice. And now we're back at 91 with uh, uh, Jungle Fever and Wesley Snipes again. So this was a nice little set. Um, but Jude, now that we've sat and watched all of them together, how would you rank these four? Um, numero uno, Juice. No, fuck. <laughs> I sprung this on you. <laughs> Damn. Num- All right. Um, yeah. Numero uno, Juice. New Jack, Friday, Jungle. That's pretty much the same for me. I'm going to say New Jack first, though, for me. I New like Jack New Jack first for you? Why? Juice. New Jack, then Juice. I, I think that uh, 
I guess maybe it's the cast, maybe it's the 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 whole movie to me is like you know the the costume design, uh, the music, um, you know the set design, all of that. Like it it has a lot of Juice's themes, but it's also just put inside some kind of a more sophisticated uh, framework, which is cool. Uh, but Juice is nice because of the those core you know four actors. Um, but then also the fact that Juice's original ending had to change. Um, yeah, is takes away from a little. Yeah, did you know the, about that, Wes? I did not know about that. What was the original ending? Oh yeah, we talked about it at the end of our um at, at the end of our last episode. But that movie was supposed to end with hit with what's his name? Q, what's it? Bishop with Bishop making the decision to let his friend's hand go because he hears he hears the cops coming. Oh. So he decides oh. I'm not going to go to jail and wind up like my dad who was traumatized because he was probably abused. So I'm going to let your hand go as opposed to just slipping because he slips. I like that original ending better. That sounds yeah. more interesting. Yeah. So that's why it's, it's at number two for me, but um, yeah, these have all been great. And as always, we will close out our season, our episode and our season uh, with our songs of the week. Um, so I can go first if you all need to get ready. Cause I have been listening to a good amount of music. Um, this week I posted on my story that I went back to 2017 and I listened to T-Pain's album Oblivion, which I hadn't heard all of. Uh, How was this that? This album is incredible. There's almost no skips. Um, so all of my three songs could be from it, but I'm not going to be annoying like that. Um, I'm going to pick Text in My Ex by T-Pain featuring mm-hmm. Tiffany Evans. Um, and then number two, let's go with <laughs> number two uh oh the lay down by shelly fka drum featuring her um mm-hmm. that's a very nice uh soulful song and then Givian, who um he kind of got he popped off um or rather i should say he blew up because he was on uh, one of drake's recent songs um he has an ep and i listened to favorite mistake um is one of my favorites off of that so those are my three how about y'all yeah, I'll go ahead. All right, bro, you got your uh, your songs of the week? I don't mind. Um, I've been in a real Mariah Carey, E equals MC Square mood. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to say the first one is going to be Your Girl or Circles. I don't know. Either Both of those have been kind of flip-flopping between. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just heard this new, not a new, I don't know when it came out, but I just discovered it. El Aedo Tipo featuring drake and then that's by oh yeah i saw I, that on your i don't know chris i don't know it has like a very cool like you know little boppy boppy song little boppy bop um little boppy bop and <laughs> i've been really into these tiktok songs man like these kids really get me every time <laughs> Girl, i really like dream girl and i'm not afraid to admit it oh by your size um yeah uh, yeah. yeah 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 that's a that's a cool song Wes, do you have? Yeah, I just, I just literally was just looking through my history and stuff like that. Um, so I've been listening to a lot. My favorite Kanye album is Graduation. Uh, mm. So I always go back to Graduation. I was listening to Good Morning a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love Chopped and Screwed music. Uh, I know, like the white internet just discovered Chopped and Screwed last week. <laughs> um, but oh my God. I was listening to y'all remember that song Better by Khalid uh the one that he's kind of known for i don't i don't know if you guys remember but but uh, the dude who did um 
location sem, uh, semi location mm-hmm. better i think i've heard the song i can't remember it all it's, it's a good song it's better when it's chopped and screwed it's really good mm-hmm. um and then i'm a big andre 3000 guy so solo is always the one i go to the frank o period feature that he's on 3k <laughs> one of the goats and jude yo um chica industry games i saw her npr thing i was just like excuse me Chica's oh, a like, problem. I've been, I've been, I, I've been following Chica since she was doing um, covers and she was bodying male rappers on their own <laughs> instrumentals. She's nasty, I, bro. I, I was sitting there, I was, I was like, what? And then, um, yo, I'm really, I, I'm not into any of these lils like that or these young whatever the fuck because I'm an old nigga mm-hmm. at heart. But little baby, emotionally scarred, is fire. It's funny you say that, bro. Mm-hmm. Oh, finish, finish. Yeah, and then um, I got to go with um, Bone Thugs and Harmony. Every single time I have. Nah, uh, down uh, 71. <laughs> down 71 by Bone Thugs and Harmony. Crazy Bone is different. Like, it's it's funny that you mentioned Lil Baby because I um, like literally... I texted some of my um some of my like twenty year old friend like my godbrother Jalen and uh, my friend Ashley. I was like, okay, y'all won. I finally added a little baby song to my Spotify. I fi- I've saved one song by that dude. I was trying to avoid it. But that's a wrap for us today, beloveds. Uh, this concludes our third season of Harlem's Very Own Podcast. I want to thank Abril. I want to thank Wes for joining us. This is a dope episode. We will be back sometime in November. But until then, we have an entire back catalog for you to peruse on Spotify, yeah. Apple, and YouTube, Google Podcasts, anywhere you like your podcast. Please listen, please share, and support. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, all the, all the places you can follow us. Uh, hit us up. And uh, as always, we thank you for kicking with us. Be easy till next time. Stay dangerous. All that. Deuces. Deuces.